I add my welcome to Edwards as well, especially if you're back for the first time or if you're visiting us, it's lovely uh, to see you. It's my privilege to speak from the scriptures this morning. And um, we started a series um, a few weeks ago um, on from 1 John. And what kind of sparked it off for me was um, a kind of realization of the call of Jesus to the early disciples, particularly to Simon and John. You remember when Jesus met Simon, he was fishing. He was casting his nets. But it says that when he met John, he was mending the nets. And it really struck me as a word for us as a church that, that we're in a season of mending nets and uh, preparing also for, for a new thing that God is going to do amongst us. And so I want to continue that with, with John's message from 1 John and chapter 1 verse 5 to chapter 2 verse 2. It'll be on the screen and this is called Walking in the Light. And John contrasts light and darkness and truth and lies and sin and forgiveness. I don't know where you go for truth. If you want to find out the truth, where do you go? Because there is so much on offer that would seek to explain all that is happening in our world or options. I believe that what we have, obviously we turn to the the Lord Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, but we have his word. And so we're going to read from his word together. John writes, This is the message we heard from him, Jesus, and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. And whenever you see darkness, you know that God is not in that. Whether it's personal or whether it's global, God is light. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins, and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Should you just pray? We want to be a people of the Word and Spirit, Lord. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and just fill us afresh. But we ask you, Lord, that as we hear these words of Scripture and just spend some time thinking about them, that you will open our hearts to be molded by your word. That truth will sink into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. 
John really likes to explain himself. If you read the first two chapters of this tiny uh, letter that he wrote, he, eight times he says, I write these things to you because. I write these things because. And if you get to chapter 5, which we will do in a few weeks' time, he says these amazing words. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, Jesus, so that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know you have eternal life. I hope that you know that you have eternal life. It's a gift. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. But it's been given to you and lavished upon you by him who has done everything possible for us to have it. But not every Christian believer knows that. Sometimes I, in conversations with Christians, and they say, well, I hope I have eternal life. I hope so. And I say, well, Jesus says, it's yours. If you just receive it from him, it's yours. It's like when I uh, do Alpha, at the end of the course, I have a little questionnaire. Were you a Christian when you started the course? And often people say, well, ish. And it's a really good answer because it's an honest answer. Or semi. Or sort of. But by about week five of the Alpha Course, they really do know if they were Christians or not Christians. God wants us to know with the certainty that we are his, that we are loved. That we have eternal life. Because that changes everything. When you know that when it is sunk so deep into your heart and soul that you know that whatever happens in this world, you are safe in the hands of God. For our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, in Kabul right now, I can't imagine the fear and the horror. But they know that they have eternal life in Jesus Christ. And John is writing to the believers. And, and I think he's a net mender because of the way that he writes. He, he writes a gospel. He writes three letters. He writes the book of Revelation. And in that, because he outlives all the other apostles, he begins to mend the nets of the church that get broken along the way. We live in a time, don't we, of fake news. That's become a, you know, a phrase of conspiracy theories that abound. John is writing his letter to actually counter some of the conspiracy theories that were around in his day. The influences that were having an effect even on the church. The early Docetics or Gnostics, these were heresies in the, that sort of grew up amongst the early church. But basically what they were teaching was that God really hadn't taken on human flesh, but he had only appeared to do so. One of the most active false teachers or influencers, if he was around now, he'd be, have a whole social media platform, was Serinthus. And he made the distinction between Jesus and the Christ. He said Jesus was a normal, ordinary guy who was born to Mary and Joseph, but a spiritual being called the Christ 
entered his body at baptism and left just before the crucifixion. Now you're sitting there thinking, that's nuts! I hope you are. But you know what? People were believing it and spreading it around. It went viral. Others were saying, well, actually, the flesh is so evil that it actually sin doesn't matter anymore. What matters is your spiritual life and, and the knowledge that you gain rather than what you actually, how you live. And it was attractive for some people because it knocked on the head the virgin birth because if he wasn't really a human being, you don't have to believe the virgin birth. The incarnation, well, some people struggle with that, that God became a human being. Well, you didn't have to believe that. The idea that God would die a criminal's death and then that other one that sin didn't matter. And John writes these letters to address those things that were around the church. Three tests for authentic discipleship was quite easy. Live like Jesus, love like Jesus, trust wholly in Jesus. Walking in the light of Jesus and not in the darkness of the world. John affirms again and again that he was an eyewitness of the truth. This is the wonder that we have of scriptures, the gospels. John's writing, he was there. He saw Jesus. He heard Jesus. He touched Jesus. He wants you to know that what he says is the truth because he was there. Corinthus wasn't there. He was there. And we have this unbroken witness to the truth. And it was the apostolic kind of mission to transmit the truth to the church. Which is why we have the scriptures. And so our task as the church is to carry on that unbroken witness to who Jesus is. From the eyewitnesses who saw what he did. And knew who he was. John writes with confidence because he was an eyewitness. He saw Jesus and he counters those heresies. Where do people go for truth? To find out stuff. You know, it's the normal thing. If you want to find out anything, even my dad in his late 80s has now got a mobile phone. Woohoo! We had to have a lesson on turning it on. But once we got there, and he said, how do you find out? And he wanted to know about hymns, the old hymns. I said, you just Google it. He's been introduced to Googling stuff. It is amazing. But people find all sorts of untruth on the internet, don't they? And it abounds. But it just leads to darkness. The apostolic task was to announce the light, the unbroken truth. John says, this is the message we heard from him, Jesus. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. They are, you know, you cannot have dark with light. Utterly incompatible. And then there's the call to true discipleship, to walk in the light. This is the message we heard from him. Do you remember Jesus said, I'm the light of the world? 
If you follow me, you'll never be in darkness. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John says at the beginning of his gospel, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and Cheryl prayed it earlier. And the darkness can never overcome it. However bad things get, the darkness can never overcome the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. God is light and there is no darkness in him. And then he addresses this thing about sinfulness. Because there was this thing going around in the early church, sin didn't matter. Well, if sin didn't matter, why did Jesus have to come and die if it didn't matter? Sin, my sin, cost Jesus his life. I'm forgiven by his sacrifice. But people were asking, well, but we're still sinful And if we sin, does that matter to God? Yes. We are enabled to walk in the light because the blood of Jesus, which purifies us from all our sin, goes on cleansing us. The same light that searches our hearts and exposes our sin also scatters the darkness, cleanses us, and washes us clean. John says that if we have that claim to have fellowship with him, which is the greatest privilege in the world, we, we can walk with God every day. We can have a friendship with God. If we claim to have that fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we're lying, he says. We're not walking in the truth. We're deceiving ourselves. We cannot claim to be without sin or that we have not sinned. Someone has put it like this. Someone has said it's like living in a coal pit and claiming you're developing a suntan. I'm just working on my tan. For John, for the early church, discipleship matters. No excuses for our sins. Oh, it's just, it's just one of my weaknesses. It's not really a big sin anyway. Or we justify it. We can all conjure up a picture of an angry person turning purple with rage, about to let off steam and grimly protest through gritted teeth they're not losing their temper. We've all lost it at times. We've all sinned. That's the definition of sin in the Bible. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because God is perfect in every way. John says, if we claim that sin does not matter, as some were saying, we're not walking in the light, but we're walking in darkness. But we need to understand what this means, walking in darkness. It's living a life marked by a persistent movement in a particular direction or lifestyle, a direction to travel away from the light. Saying sin does not matter anymore or minimizing it, excusing it or justifying it makes God out to be a liar. 
that living in the light means that the searchlight of God's holiness will expose the parts of our life that need to be brought into that light and confessed. And the paradox is this. The nearer we walk with Jesus, the more aware of the sin in our lives we become. Have you not experienced that? I remember someone becoming a Christian on Alpha and they were baptized and they were horrified that the next week they fell for an old sin in their life. They thought it would be all gone and they felt terrible. How can I come back to God again and say, it's me again, it's that again? And I had to say, I'm in the same place, mate. And I guarantee all of the church are too. We always keep coming back, don't we, and saying, it's me again. But the wonderful thing is this, is we're walking in the light. His blood keeps on cleansing us of all of our sin as we keep in fellowship with him, as we keep in relationship with him. That's why it's so important if we ever do fall for sin or, or you know, in anything, we come quickly to him and ask for his forgiveness. Don't run away from God. Don't hide from him. He knows everything anyway. He's not disillusioned about you. He loves you. Just come back to him. Those short accounts. We can be deprived of our joy in the Lord because we sometimes feel that we have failed Jesus. We can feel like a bit of a fraud. But that's to fall into the devil's trap, his lies, and to miss the sheer wonder of God's grace. Yes, sin matters. Let's not deceive ourselves. But the good news is this. When we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins because he loves you. The blood of Jesus continually cleanses us in the same way that that combination of your liver and your blood continues to cleanse your physical body. The requirement is to keep in relationship with Jesus. Quickly confess, repent, receive God's cleansing. Get up and keep walking in the light. As he is in the light. There's this extraordinary balance here. We're not supposed to walk in sin, but rather walk in the light. However, all of us have sinned. And to say otherwise would be lying. But it leads us to that grace of God again. That balance of call to holiness alongside unconditional grace is right at the heart of Christianity. The heart of Jesus' words. Amazingly, in chapter 2, he writes of Jesus as our advocate. I remember doing um, Alpha in prison and you know, doing a whole thing on Jesus being our defense barrister. And of course, they immediately conjured up all their histories. And I said, imagine Jesus being your defense barrister. He's the one who stands up in your defense, in my defense, and fights for you. And says, you are mine. And the accusers may say, but look, and look, and look. And he says, yeah, it's all been paid for. She is mine. He is mine. Who would you want for a defense barrister? Jesus. He speaks in our defense. He's the promise keeper. 
No one who trusts in him will ever be put to shame. If you've ever felt ashamed, no one who trusts in him will ever be put to shame. He is the foundation of our confidence. That's why we can trust in his word when everything else is swirling around and we don't know what we can believe and who we can trust. We can trust Jesus. We can trust his word. And in doing so, as John writes, he's mending the nets of that early church that were broken by division and other things that were coming in from within and without. Yes, he says, I write to you that you may not sin, but if you do, confess God is faithful and just. Just, he does not overlook sin. He doesn't say it doesn't matter. But faithful because he keeps his promises. He deals with it. He pays for it. He forgives it. I love the song that I've asked Henry to to sing after this message before the throne of God above. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. One of the wonderful old hymns that we love to sing, and Anna and Ollie love to sing to Joshua, is Amazing Grace. We're going to sing it at Joshua's blessing and dedication. A former slave trader, John Newton. He wrote these words, I know I am not what I ought to be. I know I'm not what I will be one day. But I know I'm not what I was once. And by the grace I am who I am. (coughs) Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. God the Son, the everlasting one, the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus, his earthly name. You know Jesus is from everlasting to everlasting. Jesus was the earthly name that he was given. And we will forever know him as Jesus. And he will forever bear the marks in his hands and his side of his sacrifice for us. He is your advocate. He loves you. And he came to seek and save the lost. That's why we're here, because we were lost and we have been saved. He has sought us out. And he writes that we might mend our nets again. And we're challenged in all the things that we wonder, what ifs, he comes with the truth of God's word. So in a moment, we're just going to respond with a couple of songs that Henry's going to lead us in. But before we do that, if Henry could come, that would be great. We're just going to pray again for the Holy Spirit to come and move amongst us.